I had finished on last week, well not finished, but we, we stopped <coughs> on last week at the treatment of uh, Madame Bubble. And I said that we would, I said before we started into that section, that we would spend some time there in uh, the study, the con consideration of Madame Bubble. It's a wonderful uh, picture, is it not? Uh, it's a wonderful name. The name is just full of graphic imagery, and uh, and it's so accurate in describing the uh, the thing that uh, Bunyan is describing: the world and the things in this world and its allurements. And so, Madame Bubble is a is a very keen. Vivid and graphic character in uh, Bunyan's treatments. And, uh, we had read that section and talked a bit about it. Had good input last week from, from all of you in contemplating Madame Bubble. <clears throat> and I told you I had some readings. There was some really wonderful things written by different men. Uh, this, Madame Bubble captured the, captured the heart and imagination of, of others, <laughs> as well as myself, and they had some wonderful things to say, and I wanted to just share with you some of those things. Uh, this, uh, treatment of the people of the pilgrimage by J.A. Kerbane. Kerbane had this to say. Madame Bubble represents Nearly all that can, can oppose itself to spiritual prosperity. She is, quote, the world with a liberal dash of, quote, the flesh. And in respect of both, she recognizes materials in him that render him worthy of her hopeful attention. You see? See what he's saying? When Madame Bubble approaches here, the pilgrim, she sees in him, in him, that which gives her hope that he would be worthy of her attention. She is vanity fair embodied under a woman's attire. <laughs> Thought that was a beautiful way to put it. She is Vanity Fair, embodied under a woman's attire, and got into ubiquitous locomotion. <laughs> That's another wonderful expression. He says of Madame Bubble that she is Vanity Fair in a woman's attire, who has gotten into ubiquitous locomotion. She's everywhere. She's moving everywhere. Along the length of the way. This and faithful's wanton wrapped up in one. She does not need to be assaulted by the devil. Sorry, he, Mr. Standfast, 
He does not need to be assaulted by the devil in person as Christian was. Nor would the valley of humiliation be to him a likely field of conflict at all. The adversary reaches him more effectively by proxy. For she is as much the deputy of the devil as she is the mistress of the world, though about this she is more silent. And it is significant that she turns up to ply him with her solicitations on the inner margin of the ground, which is the very last region of trial for pilgrims. I did mention that before. I pointed it out to you that they're near the end now. And here she comes. The natural elements in the man must have been stubborn, we reckon, and deep in their roots. For we see that even now it is only with a struggle and a strong grasping of the aid of heaven that he overcomes. I think the warning there is for all of us older Christians not to think that we ever reach a place that it's smooth sailing. There's a real danger, real danger. Kurt Bain points out the fact that even here, even as strong as he is, even the man he is, he escapes this woman's grasp only with what he calls struggle and strong grasping for the aid of heaven. He is a man more in the world than valiant is, yet he will be as little of the world as it as valiant can be. As little to the last, though to the last he has qualities and susceptibilities in him which make a worldly life much more powerfully attractive to him than it ever could be to Valiant. Hmm. That's a, that's a chilling, that's a chilling uh, treatment there that Kerbain uh, brings. It's uh, chilling because of its its warning. I've me. had this to say, O pilgrims, beware of this Madam Bubble. Know and consider well that you have a nature exactly suited to accept of her offers and to fall in love with her promises. Hmm. The riches, honor, and pleasures of the world, what mortal can withstand them? Or who can forego them? No one but he who sees more charms in Jesus, and more glory in his cross, more comfort in the enjoyment of his love and presence, and therefore 
is continually looking and crying to him. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and struck my soul in the way. Keep me closely following thee, Lord. Thou art a portion of my soul. Know and consider, says I of me, that we have a nature exactly suited to accept of her offer and to fall in love with her promises. That is true of every soul and it does not change because you have grown older. You're still in that place. English tells uh, a parable. <laughs> English has a footnote. Uh, and I'll just read you the footnote. But the footnote, he's quoting the parable. Madam Bubble, he says, her character in which the world is described may be illustrated by a parable of Krumacher. And here's the parable. He's quoting. There was a rich man in the court of King Herod, and he was his high chamberlain, was clothed in costly apparel, and lived in the greatest state and magnificence. There came to him from distant lands a friend of his youth, whom he had not seen for many years. Anxious to do him honor, the high chamberlain made a great feast and invited all his friends. The tables were laden with the most delicate victuals on dishes of gold and silver and many costly vessels filled with wines of all kinds. The rich man sat at the head of his table, and on his right hand sat the friend who had come from distant lands. And they ate and drank and were satisfied. And then said the stranger to the king's high chamberlain, I have never seen such magnificence, magnificence as this in my native land. And he praised all that he saw and esteemed his friend the happiest of men. But the rich man took an apple from off a golden dish. The apple was large and smooth and rosy as the cheek of a sleeping infant. There's a good expression for you, Tinker. Was large and smooth and rosy as the cheek of a sleeping infant. And as he handed it to his friend, he said, Behold, this apple, it lay upon a golden dish. And it is lovely to look upon. The stranger took the apple and cut it through. But alas, at its core was a worm. Then the stranger gave a glance toward his host. But the high chamberlain looked down and sighed. It looked great. And it had all the appearance of being great. But inside, inside was a problem. The worm. The detestable worm. 
And of course the application there is simply that inside of us there is a nature that is compatible with what Madame Bubble has to offer. And that is and will always be a problem. In Alexander White's treatment of the Bunyan's characters, he has this wonderful analysis. White says, and then she, by virtue of whose sorceries this whole land is drugged and enchanted, is such a bold slut that she will build a sacred arbor even and will fit it full of religious enchantment for you rather than to lose hold of you. She will consecrate places and persons and periods for you if your taste lies that way. She will build costly and stately churches for you. (laughs) She will weave rich vestments and carve rich vessels for you. She will employ all the arts. She will even sanctify and set apart the seat, set apart and seat aloft her holy men. What will she not do to please you, to take you, to intoxicate and enchant you? She will juggle for your soul equally well, whether you are a country clown or free marketing or a fine lady of aesthetic tastes and religious sensibilities in the capital or in the court. No matter who you are, says White, she will make her appeal for you. But I shall let Father Faber speak, who can speak on this subject both with authority and with attraction. He quotes Father Faber. She can open churches and light candles in the altar. (laughs) She can pass into the beauty of art, into the splendor of dress, and into the magnificence of furniture. She can sit with high principles on her lips discussing a religious vocation and praising God and sanctuary. On the benches of bishops and in the pages of good books, you will find her, and yet she is all the while the same huge, evil creature. Yes, she is all the time the same Madam Bubble who offered to steadfast her body, her purse, and her bed. Now would you know for yourself, like the punk communicant who came to me in my sleep, how you are ever to get past all those arbors? He recounted earlier in this chapter, I thought it was quite curious, he recounted a personal experience. He had a, he had a dream. <laughs> he had a dream about one of his parishioners. I came to him in his sleep and asked him, how can I escape the grasp of Madame Bubble? He dreamed this. And so now he's commenting and he said, now if you would know for yourself, like the communicant who came to me in my sleep, how you are ever to get past all those arbors and settles and seats and couches with all their sweet sorceries and intoxicating enchantments, would you in earnest know that? Would you like to know how to get past that? 
then study well the case of steadfast. Especially the time when she who enchants this whole ground hereabouts set so upon that pilgrim. In one word, it was this. He remembered his Lord. And like his Lord, he fell on his face. And as his Lord would have it, his servant's lips, as they touched the ground, touched the healing plant, and he was saved. Then White says, prayer, my sin beset brethren. Prayer, steadfast prayer, is the otherwise unidentified harmony whose best habit was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ha sorry, whose best habitat was the Garden of Gethsemane. And with that holy root in your heart and in your mouth, there is no enchantment. Numbers 23, 23. There is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. Numbers 23, 23. So, prayer. Prayer, says Alexander White, is the only possible hope against this woman. Finally, I would share with you the words of Overton in his wonderful lectures on Bunyan. Overton says, Mr. Steadfast was not the sort of man to be attracted by Madame Bubble. He felt no manner of leaning toward her, neither her imposing appearance nor her flattering words, nor her continual smiles, her shining treasures, nor any of the glittering castles which she built could make the least impression upon his heart while he prayed. He rejected all her proposals, but finding she still pursued him with her enticements, then he betook to his knees and with cries and uplifted hands had sought for help from above, and by this he prevailed, and the temper, tempter departed. What a noble victory was this. Every age, now here it is, listen, here's the word for us. Every age has its particular bubble. The God of this world is constantly broaching some specious plan, some glittering scheme for acquiring wealth and obtaining all the distinction and advantages in which a carnal heart can find gratification. Multitudes are carried away by the delusion. They run after the bubble and try to catch it. For the most part, it eludes their fond pursuit, but if ever they come up to it and put forth their hand to gain it, at once it bursts in their eager grasp. They will not believe what the Bible tells them. They will not believe what the Bible tells them respecting the danger and deceitfulness of riches and the fearful difficulties which they oppose in the way 
to heaven. Satan, the god of this world, blinds their eyes. They give credit to the smooth and flattering things which are spoken by the men of the world. And they enter with all their heart and with all their soul into any scheme or project or speculation that promises to make them a fortune. But at the end, it's only a bubble. Madam Bubble. Hmm. What a character. No matter how old it was at the end of the journey that they encounter this Madam Bubble, Mr. Steadfast. No matter how old they find in the heart of the sinner a nature that is leaning, that has a propensity to lean to accept of her prizes. I think this is a warning. I know this is a warning for all of us, but I was going to say I think that this is a warning that is most needful for us as Americans. There is a reason why this is called the land of plenty. We have had, under the mercy of God, under the mercies of God, we have had so much, so very much. We're talking about the refugees from Ukraine a while ago. I heard one one reporter speaking with a, a little lady who'd just gotten off of a, a bus or something. And uh, the reporter made the observation. They uh, they questioned. They said, "What are most of these people? Uh, what about what do they have? What do they have?" And she made the observation. She simply said, "This most of them have been reduced to all the possessions in this life in a bag. A bag." <laughs> we have so much so very much that I'm afraid that we almost become comfortable with Madame Bubble and we don't realize that we're falling under her spells it's in our nature she finds in our nature a camaraderie. But I think we as Americans have the gravest danger. We are in the most grave danger of it, of all the peoples on earth. So I share these readings. Do we have any other comments or thoughts anyone would like to share? Says that 
she gives a smile. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Hmm. My goodness. It is perhaps better understood by young men just what that means. Right. That's right. How effectively a smile can disarm. Oh. Mm. The strongness of men. Absolutely. But it is true for every one of us how disarming a smile in any circumstance can very often be. Yes. And how misleading. Yes. That's right. Yeah, Lord, help us. All right, let's pray together.